Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? In today's video, I'm going to be going through some sell high players going into week seven of the NFL season. So I think these players have kind of reached their peak in value. And so it would be advantageous for you guys to move these players off of your team. This video seems to be fairly controversial because if I'm talking about a player as a sell high and you have them on your team, you may not feel great about that. But just hear me out, you know, instead of disliking the video or commenting that it's so stupid to trade this player away, just listen to my overall argument and let me know what you guys think down below. If you think I shouldn't be trading these players away, let me know why and we can have a nice conversation in the comment section. I'll be responding to every single comment. And then if you guys are enjoying the video, please just do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. But let's get into the first sell high player. And I know this one is going to be fairly controversial right off the bat. It is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Just hear me out here and then let me know your thoughts down below because I do want to know what you guys think. I don't even know if DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a top 10 wide receiver for the rest of the season. But in my opinion, across the majority of leagues, he is likely still valued as a top five wide receiver moving forward. Right now, he's averaging 16.5 points per game. Very, very solid wide receiver 15. You know, he's not necessarily living up to where you drafted him at, which was probably wide receiver four or wide receiver five. But you know, still that could kind of swing in a different direction. He could go on a fairly hot run and then be right up there with those top tier wide receivers. But I just don't think he has that high end upside for the rest of the season. In my opinion, you need three main things to be, you know, a high end wide receiver one. It's volume, touchdown opportunity, and big playability. And obviously there are certain situations where you can just be so good in one of those areas that you know it kind of overrides the other thing. The first example that comes to mind is Michael Thomas, right? In his crazy season where he set the reception record, he didn't have crazy touchdown opportunity and he didn't really have big playability. But when you're being targeted, you know, an absurd amount of times, you don't necessarily need to have double digit touchdowns or have these huge plays just because your reception numbers and overall receiving yards can kind of overpower those other factors. But right now, when I'm looking at D-Hop, he has two of those three factors. He has the touchdown opportunity. He has the big playability. But right now, he is definitely missing the volume aspect. DeAndre Hopkins, it kind of caught me by surprise. He only has 38 targets on the season, 38 targets through six games. That is 6.3 targets per game. That is not a high number. And just to kind of give some context to what kind of volume DeAndre Hopkins normally sees, from 2015 to 2020, DeAndre Hopkins averaged 10.5 targets per game. So that is absurdly high target number. But that's honestly what we've kind of come to expect from DeAndre Hopkins throughout his season. And now I'm going to talk about just the overall Cardinals target numbers. So all the top receiving options. So you have D-Hop leading the team with 38 targets. A.J. Green has 32. Christian Kirk has 31. Chase Edmonds has 30. And Rondell Moore has 28. That is four other players within 10 targets of DeAndre Hopkins. If I'm a D-Hop owner, that is not something I want to see. They've been spreading the ball around on this offense. And I mean, it's been working. The team is 6-0. The offense has been explosive. So I don't really see any reason why they're going to go against this approach and say, you know what, now we're just going to target funnel towards DeAndre Hopkins. They're probably going to keep spreading the ball around. And from wide receiver one 
to wide receiver 20 in points per game. No other player has fewer targets per game than DeAndre Hopkins. And then at wide receiver 21, you have Emmanuel Sanders, who has slightly less targets per game than DeAndre Hopkins. And then from wide receiver 21, you have to go all the way down to wide receiver 32, which is his own teammate, Christian Kirk. And that is someone who has less targets per game. So really, DeAndre Hopkins has kind of been an outlier with his production, given the volume he has received. And touchdowns are really the thing that's kind of been keeping Hopkins' production up. He has six receiving touchdowns, which is tied for number two at the wide receiver position. Cooper Cup has seven. He's obviously kind of the clear number one so far. And then you have Mike Williams, who also I think is still a top five receiver in points per game who has six touchdowns. So he is tied with DeAndre Hopkins. But kind of the difference here is that those players have those high touchdown numbers and are at the very top of the wide receiver position. DeAndre Hopkins is not. Right now, he's kind of like a high-end wide receiver too. So personally, for the rest of the season, I would rather have guys like DJ Moore and Justin Jefferson. Like if I was a DeAndre Hopkins owner and I was just trying to get value, I would trade him for DJ Moore or Justin Jefferson straight up. But this is the beauty about having DeAndre Hopkins on your team and the overall perception that he is like a top five wide receiver this season. You could probably trade DeAndre Hopkins for DJ Moore plus another asset. You're going to be able to bring in much more value than I think you probably should for DeAndre Hopkins at this point in the season. And so if I had D-Hop on my roster, I would be looking to trade him right now before he goes on like a two or three game stretch without getting into the end zone because then people are going to kind of start to wake up to his lack of volume and then his value is going to fall off. So let me know what you guys think about that down below. This is kind of something I hadn't really caught on to until I really dug into the numbers this morning, but I think it's a little bit of a concerning trend and surprising. I do think, you know, there's some hope that his volume goes up at least a little bit, but it does just look like this Cardinals offense really wants to distribute the ball around. And it seems like it's basically a committee at wide receiver for all four of those top guys with D-Hop, Green, Kirk, and Rondell Moore. You still know that D-Hop is going to be the number one, but you know, in past years, it was D-Hop, wide receiver one, and then there was just no one else even close to him. This year, that's not really how it is. There are a lot of other players who are very involved, so I'm going to try to be moving him off of my teams. The next player I'm going to be selling high on is Damian Harris. Coming into week six, Damian Harris was averaging only 8.5 PPR points per game. He was looking like a pretty solid disappointment to start off the season. Then he comes out in week six, puts up 17.8 PPR points against the Cowboys. He carried the ball 18 times for 101 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown, and then added a reception for seven yards. And honestly, that is kind of the ceiling for Damian Harris. Obviously, maybe he could score one more touchdown, but that's really the best kind of numbers you're going to be getting out of him. He has a very low ceiling and a very low floor because he just has zero work in the receiving game. He's been targeted nine times in the first six games of the season, and he needs to get into the end zone to put together a solid performance, right? Like if you're looking at Damian Harris from a real life NFL perspective, he could go out there, carry the ball for 18 times, 100 yards. You say, wow, that's a really solid game. For fantasy, that's only 10 points if he doesn't have that receiving upside. We've seen this kind of running back produce in the past. Honestly, the first player who kind of comes to mind are these Ravens running backs, right? Coming into the season, J.K. Dobbins 
was kind of going to be in this similar archetype where he's not going to be super involved in the receiving game. He may not even see like 16, 17 carries per game, but he has that touchdown upside. You could say a similar thing about Nick Chubb, but the difference is those are top tier running attacks. This Patriots offense is not elite. They don't have, you know, a fantastic O-line. Their O-line is solid, but it's been banged up recently, and they're just not going to be putting a ton of points up on the board. Plus, we've kind of seen Ramondre Stevenson step out and been given some opportunities recently. The last two weeks, he's totaled 16 carries. He had a goal line carry in week six against the Cowboys, which led to a touchdown. And then he was also targeted three times in week six. So it kind of looks like he's stepping in to that new receiving back role. So overall, there's just a lot of red flags here with Damian Harris. And if I can sell high on him this week, I am going to do it. The third player is going to be Daryl Williams. And he is now the RB1 on the Chiefs with CEH out. CEH is dealing with a knee injury. He was placed on the IR, which means he's going to be out for at least two more games. He could miss more than that. We just don't know. But it definitely doesn't look like it's going to be like a six, seven week long injury. It shouldn't be season ending. And so if I'm a contending team, I am always trying to move the short term value players off of my team for long term assets. So last week, I think I talked about Chuba Hubbard. And I talked about Damian Williams trading those guys away because once their starters come back, basically they're going to be valueless. And every single week that passes by, their value just continues to go down because that's one week closer to them losing their starting spot. But Daryl Williams comes out in week six, plays very well. He gets into the end zone twice, which helped him put up 23.9 PPR points. Like I mentioned, the issue is that when CEH returns, he's going to be almost useless on your roster. And he's just going to be unstartable, you know, once he's not the RB1. So I'm going to be trying to move him onto teams who need to win now. Maybe they started out the season two and four, one and five. They just need a starting running back, even if it's just for the next few weeks. Sell Daryl Williams to them for a long-term asset. And then the next player here is kind of in a very similar boat. It's Alex Collins from the Seahawks. So basically the same argument applies here. He's only guaranteed two more weeks as the RB1 for the Seahawks, but he went out on Sunday Night Football, put together a really solid performance. A lot of people were watching that on primetime, 16.8 PPR points. He ran for over 100 yards and a touchdown. And so I would be putting him in a trade package for a player that you're going to be able to use in the long run. Maybe someone who has yet to break out like a Javante Williams, or maybe you're throwing him into a deal with another startable player on your roster just to kind of bolster one of your starting spots. But like I said, these players are just going to diminish in value over time. So I'd rather get them off my teams as soon as possible if you don't need to win right now. Obviously, if you're like two and four, you're probably not trading away someone who you can start in the running back position. But now we are on to the fifth and final sell high player and it is going to be Kenyon Drake. He is basically the definition of a sell-high guy. I always talk about how I want to chase volume, not touchdowns. That was kind of like my argument with DeAndre Hopkins. I just don't know if those touchdown numbers are sustainable, but the volume is not there. If you have volume, it gives you a really solid floor, and Kenyon Drake does not have volume. He went out in week six, scored 21.3 PPR points, which, wow, that's a great performance. If you started him, that's fantastic. A lot of people probably didn't have him in their starting lineups, but he put up those 21.3 points on four carries and two targets because he got into the end zone twice. 
Kenyon Drake has proven that he's not a super key piece of this offense. He's honestly been used even less than I thought coming into the season. They paid him some solid money to back up Josh Jacobs, so I did think he would be more involved. But so far, he's averaging 4.7 carries per game and 3.3 targets. That's just not enough work to get it done for fantasy football. Plus, the usage has absolutely fallen off the last three weeks. In weeks four through six, Kenyon Drake has seven total carries and three total targets. So I would really be trading him for anything you can this week. But that is going to wrap it up for my sell high players. If you guys enjoyed this video, please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. Today, I've also put out my top waiver wire targets and some of my buy low candidates going into week seven. So go check that stuff out. Thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you next time.